To discover your God-designed purpose, you need to learn more about yourself. This message is the fifth in the series, Life. The message is entitled, Inspired with Purpose, Part 2. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, your teachings. How many of you enjoyed James Brown last week? Wasn't he good? Well, I have news for you. I got some really, I got some news for you. He's not here this week. I am, okay? So it is what it is. So grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we turn our attention to God's Word today. We're talking about this whole topic of life, the importance of living the life that Jesus wants us to live, and seeing this wonderful message of how Jesus can help us to experience fullness of life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came so you may have life and have it to the full. When we think of life as human beings, we normally think primarily of biological life, that we're alive. We think of the fact that we're living and breathing beings. And when Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, he did not use the common word for life, bios, where we get our word biology. That's the normal aspect of human living, human life. He reached into the Greek language when he said, I've come that you may have life, and he, he grabbed hold of a word out of the Greek language and said, I've come that you may have zoe. That's the Greek word, life. That word zoe is quite different from the word bios. It's a word that speaks of something more of life that has to do with the quality of life. It speaks of a life that is full of fulfillment and full of fruitfulness. It is a life that is rich in meaning and rich in value. It's not just living, but it's being alive. So you can be living, but not really be alive. You can be living, but never really have life inside of you. And so Jesus said, I came that you might have Zoe. I came that you might have this fulfilling kind of life and this fruitful kind of life. I want you to experience something more than just being physically alive. I want you to be spiritually alive. Now, just like in the biological realm and the, just the natural dimensions of life, you need certain things to exist. You can't live without breath. You can't live without water. You can't live without food. In the spiritual realm, you can't live without certain things. This Zoe life requires essentials. And that's what we're looking at in this series together. We're talking about the essentials of the Zoe kind, the God kind of life. And we talked about the fact that you, you really can't have this kind of life without love. You need the love of God inside of you. You need God's love flowing through you. Life is really not worth living without love. And then you need to be inspired, inspired with a purpose, and that God has something for you to do with your life. And that's what we're talking about in this part of the series. And then we'll move on to talking about the importance of faith. You can't have a real Zoe kind of life without having faith. And then finally, we'll talk about the engagement of your life. You can't find and experience the fullness of life and the fruitfulness that, life, that Christ has for you without being engaged in something meaningful, putting your, your efforts to work at something, serving God and serving other people. But we're talking right now about the fact that real life involves being inspired with a purpose. Every human being has been designed by God on purpose for a purpose. When God made you, he made you on purpose for a purpose. In fact, I want you to say with me, I was made by God on purpose for a purpose. Let's say it again together. I was made by God on purpose for a purpose. I am special. Say it again. I am special. This is the truth of Scripture. That God, when He created you, He did not 
somehow just accidentally put you on the planet. You're not an accident. God designed you on purpose for a purpose. You are special to God, and everything that God makes is good. Listen to Isaiah chapter 44, verse number two. I am your creator. I am your creator. You were in my care even when before you were born. Everything that God makes, he makes on purpose for a purpose, and he does so for good. And God has a good purpose for your life. It doesn't mean that everything you do is good and everything that happens to you is good. But even in the bad dimensions of life, God is able to reach down in his love and mercy and redeem that through Christ to bring good out of the toughest circumstances you will ever go through in life. Now, this idea of inspired with purpose, it's grand, it's glorious, it's kind of a nice thing to think about, but what does it mean to the everyday aspect of our living? How do we live out a sense of purpose? How do we live with a sense that God has made me on purpose for a purpose? What is God's plan for my life? What is God's will for my life? And so in this part of the series, I'm trying to help you to understand, and I'm growing in my knowledge as well, what does it mean to live in the plan of God? How do I know God's will for my life? How do I know God's plan for my life? We talked about some of those things already, but I'm going to share with you today six things that are essential for you to do and understand if you want to know God's plan for your life, because you can't experience God's purpose without knowing his plan and following his plans. Let's take a look at these things together, six things we'll look at for the next few moments. The first thing that is essential, if you're going to discover God's plan for your life and fulfill his purpose, is you need to focus on your now responsibilities, not your next opportunity. Many people miss their purpose because they're focused on the next thing, not the now thing. I don't know how many people I've met, they're always talking about what's going to happen next, what they're going to do next, what's going to happen five years from now or two years from now or somewhere down the line, they're thinking in the future and certainly nothing wrong with making plans for your future. But the reality is this, you can't live in tomorrow, you can only live in today and God works in the now. God is a now God and God's purpose is always discovered in the present. You can't live tomorrow. You're not even promised tomorrow. But God says, I want you, if you're going to get to your tomorrows, you need to do what you need to do today, right now in your life. Joseph in the Old Testament is a great example of this. When Joseph was 17 years of old, God gave him a dream for his future. He dreamed that he was going to be a ruler. He saw it very clearly in multiple dreams that God gave him that he was going to one day be a ruler. He could have gotten sidetracked and became, become so dream-oriented that he would have missed that opportunity. But instead, Joseph made the choice to live every day faithfully. Right after getting this dream, you can read about this in Genesis chapters 39, 40, and 41 if you'd like to read it later this week. But in this moment, is after Joseph receives this dream, his brothers become jealous of him and they end up selling him into slavery and Joseph is delivered down as a slave into Egypt. He's bought by a man named Potiphar, and he's brought into Potiphar's house. And in that moment, Joseph could have become bitter and angry about how life seemed to be turning out for him, but instead, he applied himself to the present moment. The present moment was he was a slave in Egypt, and so he made the decision, I'm going to be the best servant that Potiphar has ever seen. And so he begins to serve Potiphar's household so diligently and so faithfully that Potiphar says, I've never seen a guy like you before. In fact, I'm going to put the whole management of my household in your hands. And out of that, Joseph began to manage that household of Potiphar because Potiphar was a very wealthy man. He learned a lot about how to, how to, ex- how to extend and exercise management in that season of his life because he gave himself to the now, to the present. Well, 
If you read the story, you know what happens next. Potiphar's wife uh, has lust after Joseph and falsely accuses him of rape, and he ends up going from being a slave in Potiphar's house to going to prison, falsely accused. Joseph could have again been very bitter about this because he had this dream of being a ruler. Things didn't seem to be turning out the way he planned. He ended up as a slave in Potiphar's house. Now he's a prisoner in Pharaoh's jail. And so as he's there, instead of becoming bitter, he applies himself to his situation. He does everything he can do in the now to be the best prisoner that Pharaoh has ever had in jail. And so he does such a great job that actually the head of that prison says, Joseph, I'm going to put everything in your charge. You're so trustworthy. You now are in charge of the prison. You can run this for me. I know you're a prisoner, but you're also in charge of the prison. So there you see that Joseph applied himself to the situation that he was in, and he did the best that he could in the situation where God had placed him. And ultimately, he comes out of prison and becomes the prime minister of Egypt and fulfills the purpose for which God designed him. But Joseph would have never fulfilled God's purpose had he not lived in the now. You can't live in the next. You have to live in the now. And I would ask you today, what are the responsibilities in your life? What are the opportunities that God has put in your hand right now? N-O-W, right now. Not what's next for your life, but what is now in your life. Because if you don't do well with what is now, you'll not be prepared for what is next. Everything that Joseph did in the now prepared him for what was next in his life. Listen to Luke chapter 16, verse number 10. Jesus said this. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest or unfaithful with very little will also be dishonest or unfaithful with much. God watches what you do with the little things that he puts in your hands. He sees how you handle them. He pays attention. And many times the promotion that will come to you in your life will be determined by the the way you handle the little things in your life right now. Jesus said this in Matthew 25, 21. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Again, the measurement that Jesus uses in your life to move you forward in your purpose is your faithfulness in the present. Not everybody is equally gifted, but everybody can be equally faithful. Everybody can be equally faithful. Faithful, focus on the now, and the next will take care of itself. Number two, the second thing, do you want God's will for your life? That's actually a question for you to answer. Do you want God's will for your life? Then second of all, let God transform you. We all come into the world, yes, with a divine purpose, but but we, we sometimes never find it or fulfill it because we don't let God shape us and make us fit for our calling. See, while God has a purpose for your life, you have to be shaped for that purpose. Your life has to be transformed so you'll be able to do what God is wanting you to do with your life. You can't just be normal, everyday you and expect to fulfill everything God has in store for you. God has to work in you and change you. I like to use this illustration. Most of you have done a jigsaw puzzle before. If you had a jigsaw puzzle before, you've had a piece that you were looking for, you looked at the shape, and you go through all your other pieces that are still left to be filled in, you try to find the shape that fits that particular part of the puzzle. And if you're like me, there have been times that I've looked and looked and looked, I've seemed to, I couldn't find the right shaped piece to go in that place, so I'll say, I'll force one in. Anybody ever done that before? Okay. This is going to work. Get your hammer out. You start hammering that thing, trying to make it work. But it's just not quite right. There's some shapes on it, edges on it that are just not what needs to be there to fill that place because it's not the right shape. You haven't found the right fit yet. 
And the same is true when it comes to your, your relationship with God and your walk with God and your purpose of God, that for God to use you in your fullest capacity, he has to shape you for what he created you for. Because all of us have a problem called sin. All of us are sinners. We have this nature inside of us that needs to be properly shaped so that we can experience the plan God has in store. And that shaping transformation process begins with salvation. You can't find God's purpose in your life until you accept Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. You have to be saved. You need to have a saving experience where you're born again on the inside where you make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. You can't say, God, I want your purpose, but I don't want your salvation. No, salvation is what leads you to your purpose. Listen now, Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 2, the first five verses. As for you, speaking of each one of us, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, and what you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, that's everybody, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Anybody want to just take a moment with me today and thank God for the grace that saved you? Okay. And if you haven't experienced the grace that saves you, you can experience that grace today where Jesus comes into your life and forgives you of your sins and he makes you a new person on the inside, gives you the capacity to follow God and to find God's purpose for your life. But it starts with salvation. We're transformed first and foremost by the saving grace of Christ on the inside of us, but it also continues through our spiritual growth and development. We have to grow. Even after becoming a follower of Jesus, we have to continue to grow. There are a lot of people who will get saved They'll accept Christ as Lord of their life, and they never, ever grow in their spiritual life. They never develop. They never mature. And so because of that, they never find their fullness of purpose. You and I need to grow. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse number 7. Endure hardship or challenges as discipline or as training. God is treating you as children. For what children are not disciplined or trained by their father, if you're not disciplined and, not, and everyone goes through, undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we all have, all, all have had human fathers who disciplined or trained us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined or trained us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines or God trains us for our, what does it say there, for our what? Our good in order that we may share in his holiness. That has become that person that God wants us to be. No discipline or training seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Here's what I want you to see out of that passage. Many things we could talk about. But when you become a child of God, then God begins to work on you, to train you, to discipline you so that you can become the person that he wants you to be. He begins to take off those rough edges. Anybody just want to admit this morning you got a few rough edges in your life, right? God begins to chisel away at certain things. He begins to sand away at the rough spots of your life. He begins to work on you through the things that you go through in life. Why do you go through certain things? Because God is shaping you. God is using those things to mold you and make you into the person that will be the perfect fit for the purpose he designed for your life. 
But you need to allow him to transform you. If you just sit back and say, God, I'm interested in going to heaven. I don't want to do anything else. You'll never find your purpose in life. To find God's purpose, you need to be transformed in your own life. Number three, the third thing that's essential, you got to keep the right people in your life if you're going to discover God's will. Your destiny, finding God's purpose for your life, is, is determined by your willingness to lean into the right people in your life. To find the right people and to lean into the right people. Because the right people in your life will help train you and they will help shape you and they will help confirm and affirm God's call in your life. They will encourage you to pursue and to stay faithful to that calling. They will help you to avoid mistakes along the journey. You need the right people in your life. The wrong people in your life will take you the opposite direction. So the choice of who you will allow into your life is your choice. Are you hearing me? It's your choice. You get to choose who you will allow access to your life. And you better choose wisely because if you choose the right people, it will set you toward your purpose in life. I've used this story before, but I'll use it again today because some of you perhaps did not hear me share it. But when I was a senior in high school, I recommitted my life to Christ. And I was starting, we had been engaged and I had a music group that I was doing. We were sharing the gospel evangelistically and I was starting to just a little bit of preaching when I was about 17, 18 years of age. It was really bad, but I was doing it, okay? It wasn't very good. And, and I remember just, I had a principal in, in high school. His name was Charlie Snyder and he was my 12th grade principal at the high school that I attended. And he was a strong believer in Jesus and he saw a few attitudes in me that he didn't like. He didn't think it was good. And I remember the day that I got a note, Principal Snyder wants to see you in his office. Anybody ever got a note like that? Okay. And I remember going into Principal Snyder's office and sitting down in, the, in front of his desk, and he looked over, the, over his desk at me and looked at me and said, Dale, I really believe that God has a purpose for your life, but here's some things I want to tell you about that I've observed in your life that if you don't address these things, you're going to miss the purpose for which God had for you. And he talked to me for about 15 minutes. Probably the conversation could have even been less than 15 minutes because Principal Snyder looked at me and loved me and said, I want to help you find your purpose in life. My life was changed because of, of a gentleman that cared enough about me to speak some truth into my life when I needed it. Amen? My life was shaped by a person. You need the right people in your life. And the choice in terms of who will be the right people in your life is your choice. You get to choose who you will lean into. The wrong people obviously lead you in the wrong direction. Listen to these, these verses. Proverbs 12, 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Listen to 1 Corinthians 5.11. I hope this will settle in deeply. These are the words of the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Let them speak to you today. If you're a believer in Jesus, a follower of Christ, let these words speak to you. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Why did Paul say, if you're a believer, don't hang around with people like that? The reason is because if they're like that and you hang around with them, it's not long before you'll be like that. And so you have to make some hard choices. Keep the right people in your life. I'll give you one last statement before we move on to the next point. Remember this. Always remember that your community determines your destiny. 
What community you choose to identify with will determine your destiny. And if you're in a bad community, I'm not talking physically speaking, but if you're in a bad, with a bad group of friends, you've surrounded yourself with the wrong group, if you'll get out of that community, you can find a better destiny. Amen? And so the choice is yours. I don't have to stay within the community that I'm in. I can rise up out of this community and I can choose a better community that will affect the positive aspect of my destiny. Extremely important. Number four, you want to discover God's plan for your life? You want to know God's will for your life? Number four, respond the right way when you fail. Bad news and good news for you this morning. Failure is a part of life. No one gets it right all the time, not, not a single one of us. We all fail along the journey. We fail in different ways, but, but everybody fails in their pursuit of God's purpose. And if you're not careful, failure, the devil will use failure to detour, detour you from your purpose if you don't know how to handle it. If you don't know how to handle failure, yeah, I promise you, the devil will sidetrack you through your failure. Everybody fails. But some people grow through their failure. Other people let their failure define them and defeat them. So the choice really is yours. Will I grow through my failure or or will I allow my failure to define me and keep me defeated in life? King David was one of the greatest men that ever lived. King David extended the kingdom of Israel far beyond the boundaries it had ever been extended to before. David was an amazing king. In fact, God said of David, he is a man after my own heart. Right in the middle of your Bible is the book of Psalms. Psalms has 150 chapters. Many of those chapters were written, penned, inspired by the Holy Spirit through a man by the name of David. But did David fail? Read about it in 2 Samuel chapter 11. He certainly did. He failed miserably when he sinned with Bathsheba and when he had Bathsheba's husband killed in battle. I mean, he was not only an adulterer, but he was also a liar and a murderer. And he goes through this time in life of really searching his own soul and trying to get back in right relationship with God. And finally, he pens a letter or, 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 or I should say a prayer that he prays in Psalm 51. The first four verses, listen to them. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justify when you judge. And then in verse 10, he prayed this prayer. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David, out of the midst of his failure, found the forgiveness of God. He moved forward with his life. And I will tell you today that if you have experienced some kind of failure in your life, you can get up and get moving again. You can find the forgiveness of God and the grace of God to move forward. But you've got to make some choices in your failure. And the reason I'm going to lay this out for you is because everybody fails. And the devil loves to jump on your back when you fail and tell you you've blown it for your future. I want to tell you today, no, you haven't. God is a redemptive, restorative God. God's grace goes beyond anything you can imagine in your life, and God is able to restore people out of the midst of their failure. How does this happen in your life? I'm not encouraging failure, by the way. You want to stay away from it, but I will tell you that God in the midst of it can still work in your life when you do certain things. And that's why you have on your notes seven things that you need to do when you fail if you want to get back on track with God. I'm going to ask you to read them with me at all of our campuses. The first thing you must do is acknowledge it. 
You're never going to get anywhere until you acknowledge, I made a mistake. I blew it. I messed up. And that first acknowledgement is first and foremost to yourself. You can't even admit it to God until you admit to yourself, I blew it. And that's where people, a lot of people get stuck because their pride will not allow them to acknowledge they've made a mistake. The second thing is confess it. I'm talking about to God. You go to God and say, God, now I've acknowledged that I've messed up. I've made a mistake here. I've missed the mark. I've sinned against you. Now I'm confessing it to you. I'm telling you that I agree with you that this was wrong. So you confess it. Number three is repent of it. Come on, church, help me. Number three is repent of it. Okay? Repent is a word that simply means to turn things around, to do a 180 is the basic idea. If you get on the wrong road and you know that it's not taking you to your destination, if you're wise, what will you do? You'll turn around. Exactly right. That's called repentance. I'm on the wrong road. I don't want to stay on this road, so I'm going to turn around and get back on the right road. That's what repentance is. So repentance is not some mean, nasty word. It's not God's angry with you. It's just acknowledging the fact that I'm on the wrong road here. This road is not leading me to where God wants me to go and where I want to go with my life. So I'm going to get off this road and get on the right road. That's called repentance. And that you have to do that if you're going to get back on track with God. Number four, together re receive God's forgiveness. When you acknowledge it, admit it to yourself and confess it to God, now come to God with repentance, then you need to say, God, now I receive your forgiveness. God promises to bring forgiveness. And then number five is to do what? Forgive yourself. Sometimes it's the toughest part. I've known people who've actually said, yeah, I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself for this. And the devil jumps on your back and tells you how bad you are and that you're never going to ever make it again. He shames you. And I'll get to that in just a moment. But he makes you feel condemned about it. And you continue to beat yourself up over and over again. That is completely non-productive. And it's not according to the mind and will and love of God. And then number six, get up and do what? Get going again. Get up and get going again. I love the story of Peter in the Bible. Peter messed up too, did he not? On the day that Jesus needed him the most, Jesus, excuse me, Peter three times said, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. He denied Christ three times. Pretty bad, right? After Jesus rose from the grave, he said, go tell my disciples that I've risen, I'm going to Galilee, and I want to see them, I want them together, and especially tell Peter. Make sure Peter knows that, that I'm coming. And so Jesus brings Peter back into relationship with himself. Even after he's fallen, he's encouraging Peter to get back up and get going again. It's an amazing thing to me that if you begin to read in the book of Acts, you will find not many days after Peter had denied Jesus three times, not too many days after that, Peter is the very one that God chooses to preach the Pentecost message where 3,000 people are saved. I'm telling you, God can get you up and get you going again. You don't have to stay down. The devil, again, wants to push you down and keep you down. No, you rise up and say, God has forgiven me. I'm forgiving myself. I'm going to get up and get going again and then refuse to let shame shackle you. Don't let shame shackle you. Don't let the shame of your life hold you back. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Respond the right way when you fail. Number five, avoid pride, jealousy, resentment, and bitterness. There are a lot of things that will get you off track with God and God's will for your life. But I'm telling you, these are the big three. I'm saying three. There are four words there, but I'm linking uh, resentment and bitterness together. I'll, I'll show you that in just a moment. Pride, jealousy, resentment, and bitterness. Say them with me. 
pride, jealousy, resentment, bitterness. So those are three that I'm sort of linking the last I said together. These three things, I promise you, if you allow these things, these three things in your life, they will absolutely keep you from the fullness of God's plan for your life. Pride is, I don't need God, I'm sufficient, I, can ha- I got the tiger by the tail, I got this, and so you stop leaning into God and trusting him for dependence because you feel like you're good enough, okay? You can handle this yourself. There are many different ways that pride will manifest itself. I don't have time this morning to go through all the different symptoms and aspects of pride, but, but pride is something that puts the I in the center of your life, okay? It's about me, P-R-I-D-E, it's about me, okay, pride. And the Bible teaches us that when you get into this attitude of pride, you're on a bad track, you're going to miss God's purpose for your life. James 4, verse 6, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, listen to this, the Bible says, God, what's the next word there? Opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Think about this for a moment, that God opposes you when you're proud, that God actually fights against you. I don't want God fighting against me. I want God fighting for me. How about you? Okay. I don't want God fighting against me. I want God fighting for me. And so the Bible says that when pride is in my life, that God is actually fighting against me. God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. That is, the favor is the grace of God. You and I need favor to fulfill God's plan. James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. That is, put yourself before God in a place of dependence Proverbs 11, verse 2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. So avoid pride in your life. The second thing to avoid is jealousy. What is jealousy? Jealousy is when you compare yourself with somebody else. When you look at what they have and you're mad about what they have, you're frustrated about what they have or the opportunities they get because you didn't get them and your, your, your eyes are off of you and your purpose and plan, your eyes are on somebody else because you're comparing yourself with people around you. Comparison is a terrible trap of the enemy. We are living in a world that is, that is eaten up with comparison. Everybody looking at what somebody else is doing and wanting to have what they have and wanting their life to be, their life to be like somebody else's life. And I want to tell you today, here's your, here's your word for that. Are you ready for it? Stop it. Okay. Stop thinking about anybody else's life. You're, never, you're not going to stand before God and give an account of anybody else's life. You're going to only stand before God and give an account of your own life. And so get your eyes off of other people. Let me show you why. This is important. Many different reasons. Because when your eyes get off of, off of God and onto somebody else, if I'm following God, I can follow a straight path as God is leading me. Right? Don't worry. I'm not going to step off. Okay. Okay. I know where the edge is. I can follow the straight path. If I get my eyes off of God and I start looking at you, what happens to my walk? Are you seeing the difference? Sometimes we wonder, why, why am I off track with God? Why, why is God's purpose for my life? Why do I seem to be always frustrated? Well, many times the reason for that is because you've stopped looking at God in your own life and you've started looking at somebody else and what's God's, what God is doing in their life or something you desire that they have in their life. And so you get your eyes in the wrong direction and you end up in trouble. It will, it will detour you and deter you from God's plan. James 3.16, wherever, wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you 
you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Proverbs 14, 30, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Galatians 6, 4, and 5, listen to it. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. The third category that you must avoid is resentment and bitterness. What is resentment and bitterness? Resentment and bitterness is you hurt me and I'm not going to let go of it. I'm going to hold on to this thing. I'm going to let it stay inside me. I don't have time this morning to talk in depth about this, but when you get upset at somebody and you're holding on to it, you refuse to forgive them, it does a lot of really bad things to you on the inside. You think that you're getting back at them, but you're actually destroying yourself. Anytime you're angry at someone, bitter and resentful towards someone, you're really not hurting them. You're hurting you. It's poison inside of you. It hardens your life. I like to think of it this way. When you hold on to resentment and bitterness, it's like, all of you seen uh, people pour concrete before, right? You've seen how they pour concrete? comes out. It's all liquid. looks like it's like a nice, fun thing to play with or something if you're a kid. But what happens over a period of time with concrete is it sets up, right? And when it sets up, it gets hard. And once it gets hard, you can't get rid of it without a, a sledgehammer or a jackhammer. It takes a lot to get rid of it. And so when you get bitter, it's like letting concrete flow. It doesn't seem like a big deal when it's sort of flowing in. It's nice and moist, and it feels good to you, if you, if you will, at some level coming in because you're angry, you want to get back at someone, but over a period of time, it sets up inside of you, and it creates this hardness around your heart hurts your relationship with God, it hurts your relationships with people, it affects your life very, very deeply, it keeps you from the plan of God for your life. Listen to these words in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. See to it as make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God, that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Avoid pride, avoid jealousy, Avoid resentment and bitterness. Get those out of your life. They will steal your destiny. Final point this morning. Do you want to know God's will for your life? Yes. You've got to learn about you. You've got to learn about you. God made you, and God made you in a unique way. You're, you're special. There are unique aspects of your life, but it's not going to be beneficial to you if you don't know who you are. You have to know something about you. How do you learn about you? There, there are three things there on your notes I'll talk about very quickly. You have to learn about you by, by your own self-observation, by your own personal reflection, by what we call self-awareness. And God can help you with this through his word and by his spirit, but you have to take some time to think about you. Who are you as a person? Why do you live the way you live? Why do you respond to things the way you respond to them? See, there are a lot of people that will go through life that never stop to think about how they're handling life. What are they learning about themselves from the process? What can I learn about me through this event? And so you have to step back and say, let me do some time of reflection about myself. You need to spend some time thinking about why you do what you do and why you feel the way you feel and what's going on in your life so that God can help you be aware of things that he wants to work on in your life. If you don't have any time of self-reflection, and we live in a world that's very active-oriented and all kind of stuff going on all the time, but you need to pull back sometime and say, God, I just need you to help me think about me for a moment. What do you want to talk to me about related to me? Now, that's the me kind of time that's valuable time for you, self-reflection, self-awareness. What do I need to understand about me? The second way that you understand 
things about you is through feedback from other people. You need feedback in your life from people around you that can help you see things that you can't see about yourself because everybody has blind spots, right? I'm so thankful for some people in my life that are, that are able because I trust them. They're valuable people to me because they help me to see things in my life that I couldn't see otherwise. You need feedback from other people. It's called marriage, okay, right? If you think that marriage, you get married to be happy, you don't understand it, okay? <laughs> now, marriage is a wonderful institution created by God. There's happiness in marriage. I get that. I understand. But the primary purpose was for marriage was not to make you happy. God tricked you. <laughs> you saw that prayer. Oh, how, oh, isn't she beautiful? She's a man. What? Oh, she's an angel. Oh, look at him. He's so handsome. He's amazing. Oh. <laughs> Let's get married. And then you get married and you say, I thought I married an angel. Where did the demon come from, right? Okay. Vice versa, okay. And what happened in, in marriage is God puts you in a situation. That's why commitment in marriage is so important because he wants to work on you. He wants to, you to learn some things about you. One of the greatest educations that happens in marriage is you learning about you, okay? things you need to learn about you that you wouldn't learn any other way. It doesn't, it, it, I'm not speaking this morning that marriage is the only way that happens. It happens in all kinds of relationships. But you need the feedback of other people. You need to know something about you. You need to learn what, what's, what needs to be worked on in my life. Okay? The third way that I'll mention very briefly here that you can learn about yourself is through personality tests. It's important to do some personality tests along the way. Now, I'm not a big believer that personality tests should describe and should define how you live your life, no. But if you haven't taken a personality test, you ought to do so because they'll tell you because psychologists have learned how to help us understand something about our personalities. It's a science like other kind of science. It's an imperfect science, but there's things that are related to our personalities that we learn. And so there's some great personality tests, 16 personality tests. You can get it online. Take it about probably 15 minutes. Uh, the Enneagram is a great way to look at Myers-Briggs. There are a lot of different ways. You'll be amazed at how crazy you are when you take a test like this. Okay, it's like... A, but again, it's not to prescribe how you live the rest of your life. It's to give you information about yourself so that you learn. Why? Because you need to know about you. If you don't know, understand anything about you, how can you let God work on you? You're blind, okay? You can't, you can't grow if you don't understand, what I, what, where do I need to grow in my life? And so God uses your times of self-reflection. He uses your feedback from other people. He uses things like tests and information that you can use along the way to help you to understand you. Last verse, verses that we'll look at together and we'll be done. Take a look at this verse that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Why do you notice the little pieces of dust in your friend's eye? but you don't notice the big piece of wood in your own eye. How can you say to your friend, let me take that little piece of dust out of your eye. Look at your, what does it say? Yourself. Say it again with me, look at. Yourself. One more time, look at. Yourself. You still have that big piece of wood in your own eye. We have a tendency to go through life pointing out the failures and the mistakes of other people and seeing the specks in the other's eye. But God says, would you just stop for a moment, look at yourself, and see the plank, the piece of wood in your eye that will help you to be the person that I want you to be. Do you want to know God's will for your life? 
Focus on now, not next. Let God transform you. Make sure that you're keeping the right people in your life. Make sure you respond the right way when you fail. Make sure that you avoid pride and jealousy and resentment and bitterness and learn about you because if you'll learn about you, it will help you to find that special place with God where he works on you to make you all that he created you to be. Would you bow your heads together with me as we pray? Lord, thank you for your word this morning. We're grateful for the word of God, how it instructs our life. We ask, Lord, you'll take this word and let it become real life to us. Let it become something that changes us on the inside. It helps us to think differently than we've ever thought before. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. And you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new, and that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. and You begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.